Tribalism sucks. Critical thinking is pretty cool. Thanks for being part of American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson. There is a term that's come out of the current presidential campaigns that I think is really healthy that we're talking about here, and that is the administrative state. I think you could probably credit Vivek Ramaswamy for bringing that up, but other candidates and other office holders, Ted Cruz and some others, have uh, mentioned this as well. And there's a great opinion piece in the Washington Examiner you can find right now that takes a look at the administrative state and what it is and why it actually matters in how our government runs. I'm Mike Ferguson. Thanks for making American Viewpoints part of your weekend. I am now joined by James Bacon, and he is a senior advisor to the Heritage Foundation's Presidential Transition Project. And I know you've got some experience in, uh, you know, staffing in the uh, administration as well. We'll get to that, James. We appreciate you being on the program. The article you wrote, Dislodging the Real Threat to Democracy, the Administrative State. Let me first ask you, when people think of the term administrative state, what should they be thinking of? They should be thinking of the 2 million full-time federal employees plus the 18 million federal contractors that make up the executive branch. So we have about 20 million people making up the executive branch. And the way I explain it to people is that the problem is that the president does not have adequate control over his own branch. And so you have Congress and the Supreme Court that are a check on the president's power, but this fourth branch of government has developed within the president's own branch that checks his power as well. So it blocks the president from implementing his vision that he ran on for the country. And that's that's a threat to democracy. A lot of us, James, just kind of assume that uh, when a new president is elected, he gets to bring in or she gets to bring in their staff. And you're telling me that that's not how it works, that uh, these are not appointment positions, that there are people who are actually immune from their boss? So, yes, 99.8% of federal employees cannot be fired by their boss, the president. The president does get to bring in his own people. And under American law, those people are supposed to be controlling the levers of the executive branch while the massive bureaucracy underneath them, those employees are supposed to act as neutral cogs in the machinery that implement the president's orders and his people's orders at the top. But in practice, over time, this, this web of bureaucrats beneath the president's people has taken power away from the president and transferred it to themselves. And they've also created this very complicated web of rules and regulations that govern how the executive branch operates, and only they know how to navigate it. They've made it so complicated that only they understand it, and it allows them to run circles around the president's people that he brings in. So there's a massive, massive learning curve for the president and his people when they get into Washington, and something's got to be done about it. So how do we get to a point where the employees were able to sift away power from their actual boss, from the actual executive? I mean, were there laws passed in Congress uh, or were these administrative agency rules? I mean, how do we get to a point where the employees just said, no, boss, we're changing the rules on you? It actually started in the late 1800s when President Garfield was assassinated 
by somebody who wanted a position in his government. He'd worked on Garfield's campaign, and he felt that he was owed uh, a minister position at Garfield's State Department. So he killed the president of the United States because he didn't get it. And so this led to calls to end the spoils system and replace um, our government with at least some employees that were permanent, that would hold over in subsequent administrations, no matter who the president was. So they passed the Pendleton Act in 1883 or 1887, I believe, and that established an initial cohort of about 10% of federal employees who would stay on no matter who the president was. And this system worked well. You know, you need those people that are doing the administrative tasks that have nothing to do with policy, and they do help make the government run more efficiently. But over time, that initial 10% that was protected from being fired has expanded to 99.8%. So it's been a combination of laws Congress has passed, expanding that, um, regulations, unionization of the employees in the federal government. So, So not only do they have civil service protections that Congress has passed, they also have unionized. So it's even harder to fire them. So... That's, that's really how we've gotten to the, to the place we are now. We are visiting with James Bacon from the Heritage Foundation. Uh, real quick, James, tell me about the effect that this has on the, on the overall role of the government in our lives. I mean, like I said, we've heard of some elected officials and some presidential candidates referring to the administrative state as kind of the behemoth that needs to be slayed. Uh, so why is it that there needs to be some kind of reform at some level? If somebody says, hey, a civil service uh, employee join the union, they can't get fired for being a really bad employee. Well, that sucks. But other than a few of my tax dollars, how does that affect me and how does that affect the country? It affects the policies and there's numerous examples of this. So uh, Jim Jeffrey was an example of a bureaucrat who subsequently leaving service admitted that he and other defense officials lied to the president of the United States about troop levels in Syria because they didn't want the president to withdraw after defeating ISIS. And there were, there were examples in HHS of bureaucrats saying they needed to conduct testing at different agencies that slowed down development of the vaccine when really there was no basis in law for that. Um, there's, there's examples of bureaucrats killing regulatory reform that the president wanted to do by just stalling it in the bureaucracy and slow walking it. So they, I mean, they protect all the regulations they issue. They, they have a a paternalistic view of them. So they don't want a president to come in and do deregulation because they view all these administrative regulations as their baby. They view it as something they've worked very hard to achieve and they will, they will slow walk the president's people and delay them until the next president is elected. So how much power should a president have over that millions of staff members, be a contractor or direct employees, and how do we get from where we are to where the actual executive, the president, has the right role and has the right authority in the administration? There's a number of things you can do. So in 1978, Congress actually passed a bill to deal with this problem called the Civil Service Reform Act. And it created an agency in the executive branch called the Office of Personnel Management. 
whose job it was to help the president manage the civil service. And so this office can do government layoffs, government downsizing, so basically eliminating offices so that you get around the civil service protections, eliminating obsolete offices. You can, you can do things like Schedule F, which was an executive order President Trump issued at the end of his administration. And that made it so if a bureaucrat is making policy, they no longer have civil service protection. So it, it keeps the protections in place for the ones who are actually being the neutral administrators, and it eliminates it for the ones who are telling the president, this is the policy we need to do. So there's a number of ways to do it, but you need a president and his people who are very strong-willed because as soon as you try to tinker with this, Congress starts screaming, the special interests and lobbying interests start screaming because they don't want anyone to mess with this permanent flush of money that, that goes from these agencies to all these special interests. All right, and you can learn more at heritage.org, uh, James, but where can people specifically find your work here? And once again, I'll remind everybody, your editorial is at Washington Examiner, and it's called Dislodging the Real Threat to Democracy, the Administrative State, but they want to get in touch with you directly and see your work on this. What's the best way? Go to project2025.org. You can find our work on this, and you can even sign up for our Presidential Academy, which is training political appointees to work for the next president. James, appreciate the information. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And speaking of presidents, did you watch the Republican presidential debate this past week in Milwaukee? I did. Got a couple highlights and a few thoughts on what I saw, and I'll tell you about it just ahead right here on American Viewpoints.